Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. In Ruth, as Boaz pours out these six shovelfuls of uh, shovels full of barley into Ruth's shawl, we see a foreshadowing of this teaching right in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus would, in Luke's gospel rendition, give this image: "Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together." and running over it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Just watch, the measure that Boaz uses will be given back to him and then some. And we're talking about him today in part because he typified this teaching long before Jesus gave it. Now this calling to give and it'll be given back to you, this uh, this call for, uh, for this, this foreshadowing of divine reciprocity and the generosity and the mercy that you show, it comes right on the heels of don't judge. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is echoed in Romans chapter 2. Listen to this. Romans chapter 2 verse 1. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge one another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. And then here, uh, quoting Psalm 62, 12, and Proverbs 24, 12. He will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. This is central to the whole theme of the book of Romans as it stands upon the apex of the old covenant's transition into the new. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism with God. This is, uh, this is a, a calling not to show condescension and harsh judgment to one another, especially when we are guilty of the same sins that we call out in other people. Our cancel culture has gone off the rails in this particular regard. We have, we have just reified Pharisaicalism. We have, we have completely reinvented the Pharisees in our own context. Virtue signaling and cancel culture, these are modern day iterations of the same kind of ethic. The problem with it is that the people who are canceling others are total hypocrites. And this is not going to last long. It's not going to work out well for you. God sees what you're doing. The, the Pharisees were stuck in this cyclical futility and they had no choice but to put up this facade. They pride themselves on their adherence, not only to the law of God, but also to their addendums thereunto. And their, their, their virtue signaling, as we would call it, didn't actually change anything. It didn't actually help anyone. And so the condescension with which they looked down on other people was all the more confounding. They had no right to look down on other people. Think on Jesus' example 
of, uh, of prayer where the tax collector, I mean like the most hated guy in, in town, is it can barely bring himself to look up um, at God's holy place and he's just beating his chest saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He's the one who goes home justified before God, not in Jesus's parable, the Pharisee, who's making a big public show about how righteous he is. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, even this tax collector, like what a jerk. He calls out the poor guy who's actually going home justified before God. Think about that for a minute. When you see Christians puffing up their chests and condescending towards others, crowding around and being happily the first one to throw stones at another believer who has fallen, we're like the Pharisees, all right? We are exactly like the Pharisees. We have reinvented the Pharisees. We even have our own Christian rendition of this within Christian circles. When we have Christian circles that crowd around sinners and throw stones at them, and this is largely, it largely happens on the internet, where you feel like you're protected with anonymity. You're not. God sees you. And by the way, you're not as private as you might think. When, when we as Christians do this, we are straight up reifying the Pharisees, and we're doing so in a way that is in direct contradiction to this vacation Bible school basic teaching. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. All right, so if you are among the Pharisees, this happens most often today on the internet. Again, if you are in this habit of seeing a juicy headline about someone who has stumbled and fallen, and you don't know this person. If you learn the identity of a fellow Christian because of their public humiliation on the internet, you are not entitled to that information. Someone, somewhere, usually a stupid blogger who is literally profiting from someone else's mistake has skipped all of Matthew 18. This is not a go to your brother one-on-one -on -one scenario and then bring two or three witnesses scenario. That We have skipped straight to some weird mutant form of step three and you don't know all of the facts. Just because it says the Christian post up top does not mean that it's accurate. I know for a firsthand fact that particular publication, for example, has published outright lies before. So you don't know when you join in that pharisaical circle, throwing stones at someone, commenting on them, ruining their reputation and therefore their professional lives in perpetuity. When you do that, guess what? God sees it. And the same standard that you use will be used against you. For your lack of mercy, you will be denied mercy. For your lack of forgiveness, you will not be forgiven. All right, this is basic. Guys, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. The same measure that you use is going to be used back upon you watch out. You may have thought you were anonymous on the internet, but God saw the whole thing. By the way, don't have anonymous profiles on the internet. I don't have one. I never have had one. Put your name on it or don't type it at all. This is, this is a huge stumbling block for Christians because it's provided this arena wherein we think we can just violate this golden rule, basic I mean, like ethics 101 principle that came straight out of Jesus's mouth and is so beautifully exemplified in the book of Ruth. But the truth is that we are getting ourselves in trouble before our God who has shown us mercy. We're, we're being merciless towards one another. Our God who has forgiven us, we're being unforgiving to other people. And we feel like we're getting away with it. We think that we're pulling a fast one on God somehow. God sees all of this, okay? Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. When you judge one another, you condemn yourself. Since you, the judge, do the same things. 
Now we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Romans 2 says that God's the one who has the right to judge all of us. We are fellow sinners. Okay, God's the only one who's righteous. He has the right to judge. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things yet do the same that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness? Like you're not going to escape the judgment of God. If you are crowded around somebody who has fallen and you're casting judgment, you're casting aspersions, you're trying to ruin someone's reputation or life by commenting anonymously on the internet, or you're, you're trying to disparage someone by casting aspersions on them publicly, don't, do you think that you're gonna escape the judgment of God for what you've done? God has shown kindness to you for your sin. He has shown restraint, Romans 2 verse 4 says. Meaning, you and I, God has shown restraint in holding back the full wrath and discipline we deserve because of our sin. I mean, has it dawned on you yet that you and I have been spared consequences that we'll never know precisely because God spared us the consequences? Okay, my, uh, my, cam my, my house is, is covered with like security cameras on corners of the property and things like that. And my kids don't know this. There was a string of break-ins and the house is all around us. But we have these cameras up in the security system and things like that. And for that reason, uh, you know, I, I perhaps also just because of the, the sovereignty of God in this matter, our house was overlooked and all of that. And we're grateful to God for it. I didn't tell my kids that. I didn't want them to freak out. I wanted them to sleep well. Now they don't know they've been delivered from something potentially harmful and evil. They don't know that precisely because they have been delivered from it. Do you follow me? God has shown restraint to you and I. We have not reaped the full whirlwind that we've sown because God has shown us kindness, because God has shown restraint, because God has been patient with us, letting us mess up over and over and over again until eventually we repent. And the, the intent of this kindness, this is what the text says, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. I mean, Romans chapter two, verse four is this like incredulous rhetorical question. Don't you realize that that kindness, that restraint, that patience that God showed you was so that you would repent from sin? And if you and I lack that same patience with other people who are stumbling, if we lack that kind of restraint when other people mess up, if we lack that kind of grace and forgiveness and forbearance that God has shown us when we deal with other people, we condemn ourselves. God has shown us this kindness may we forward it to other people. But when we lack that mercy, we lack that restraint, we lack that forbearance with other people, is it gonna escape the judgment of God? God sees absolutely all of this. He sees our bullying. He sees our internet anonymous postings. He sees the way that we're harsh with one another. He sees all of that and it won't escape the judgment of God. The grace of God spurs on grace one another. Right? That we are called to show kindness to one another because God has shown kindness to us. Because of the grace of God, we will show grace to others. And the measure that we use will be measured back to us. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, from Deuteronomy uh, tomorrow on exactly this aspect of this teaching. But for now, especially insofar as it pertains to the internet. Remember, nothing is anonymous, not only with God, but also everything can be traced, right? Uh, and, and what's more important is this, like we cannot reinvent the pharisaical stoning circle and get away with it. God's not gonna abide that. 
Rather, let's show kindness, let's show grace, let's show mercy to one another. None of this is going to escape the judgment of God who has shown kindness to us so that we would repent. Let us likewise show kindness to brothers and sisters in Christ who stumble so that they too would repent, so that they would be restored. God has shown us this kindness. Let's forward it to other people.